Well, good to see all of you again. It's uh, a pleasure to be in God's house and be able to, to open his word and break the bread of life this morning. Just so glad that we can do that. We're back in 1 John this morning. If you go ahead and turn over there all the way towards the back, 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 to 12. And uh, we're going to focus in, going to zero in today some on 11 and 12 um, and continue with this. It's been a joy to actually preach through the, this section. There is a lot here talking about the love of God. And, it's, and this has been good so far. I mean, I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed digging into it. And I hope that this is something that you've enjoyed as well, just, um, just learning about, you know, God's love and God's perfect love and how his love is perfected and it's used through us. And we, we can minister to others through the love of God by, by following what the scripture says. So again, it's been good. I've enjoyed this. We're going to, uh, last week we zoned in on 9 and 10. Today we're going to zone in a little bit on 11 and 12. But uh, just to kind of get back to 9 and 10 just a little bit, let me, let me just kind of recap. I like to do that. I know you've had a long week, so let me just take you back a, a few days. Let's go back to last Sunday and, and we'll just kind of recap what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. But 9 and 10 told us last week that that God showed us an ultimate love by doing what? Does anybody remember what he did? He sent Jesus into the world, right? He sent Jesus into the world. Jesus left this majesty of heaven. I mean, he left perfection to come to imperfection, and he did that through his love for us. He was worshiped and adored in heaven. He came to earth where it just wasn't that way. I mean, he came through the virgin birth. He was, he's always been, of course, but he appeared on earth through this miracle. And this sacrificial move put him here. And he, he was able then to feel the same emotions that we feel. He could, he could feel pain. He could feel um, anger. He could feel um, temptations. I mean, you name it, he could feel it. I mean, he was, he was all God. But he was yet all man, all at the same time. So he had those emotions that he could feel, that he could feel. But but again, God sent him out of a perfect heaven into an imperfect world. And our world, keep in mind now, he left a place where there was no sin, and he came to a place that was full of sin, and is still full of sin. But we discovered that the reason that he was born here on earth was so that he could that he could actually come and die for us. For our sins. That's what it was told, what, what they was telling us through those scriptures. He came as an atoning sacrifice, or what was our word last week we used? We used the word propitiation. There you go. I see some of you remember that, so good. We use that word. It's an atoning sacrifice. That's the reason that he was put on this earth. We discovered that his love for us is not a self-serving love in any way, shape, or form, that his love doesn't benefit him, uh, or, or our love doesn't benefit him. He doesn't need anything from us, but the benefit that we get through his love is the opportunity for salvation, and that's the only thing he wants in return. That's his benefit, getting back, giving back. So let's, uh, with that in mind, let's read this passage again this morning, uh, verses 7 through 12, chapter 4, 7 through 12. All right, I'm sure you've got it by now. Got it, there you go. All right, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? Comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not uh, love does not know God. Now, that's a strong statement. And you know, let's just, I hadn't planned to really stop there, but it just, it, God just put this on my heart. If, if you don't love, then you don't know God. Is that what it says? 
It's exactly what it says. So, I mean, that puts it right in perspective for us, doesn't it? If, we, if we're not capable of loving, and not talking about one or two, I'm talking about loving humankind. If we're not capable of that love, then we must not know God. I didn't say it. John said it. It's right here. All right, so whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice or a propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also uh, love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for today. And uh, we're just uh, so ready to deliver your word today. We're just so grateful that you give us this platform to speak. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that something will be said or done today that's going to make an impact in somebody's life. And Lord, every week when, when I, I, I just feel that there's somebody here that doesn't know you, maybe multiple people, and uh, today's no different. So I just pray, Lord, that if that's somebody that's in this room today, I just pray, Lord, that you will just save their soul today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. All right, you know, it's, it's often, really too often, let me say it that way, it's too often the case. Think with me now. Let's, let's think about this. Too often the case that Christians, us, Christians, we're not really known for the love of others, are we? We really aren't. Sometimes these type of criticisms are, are really unwarranted. We see that. But sometimes we're, we're guilty as charged. Sometimes we just don't show the love that God has in us. And there's research on this. There's research on everything these days. Research on what you eat for breakfast, research on baseball games. Oh, my goodness. It's just all kind of research. But there's even research on how Christians act. Did you know that Christians are sometimes perceived by lost people as being, here's a word for you, hyper-political? That one's coming too. But hyper-political, they think that we focused on, on the, the politics too much. Did you know that lost people sometimes accuse us of being out of touch? We're out of touch with reality. We're pushy in our beliefs. Um, we're even sometimes perceived as being arrogant. Now, we're also viewed by young Americans who don't attend church. Now, these are young Americans who don't attend church. They view us as being judgmental. They view us as being hypocritical. And they, they view us as being insensitive to others. Now, insensitive, that, that says we don't show love, does it? That's exactly what that says. Now, does this surprise you? It, it doesn't surprise me much. It really doesn't. Uh, this seems to be all our media talks about. You know, when we're hearing something, it's usually uh, anti-Christian. For the most part, that's what it is. But what's confusing about this to me is, is Jesus said, love for others is how people know that we are his disciples. So if we're being accused of being all these things, and our love for others shows that we are Jesus' disciples, then in some cases we must not be doing a really good job of that. That's just what it says. John 13, 35 says this. Let's take a look at that. I think I've got this. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you, say it, love one another. He also says that we're to love our enemies and pray for those who hate us. 
And some of these folks would even harm us if they could. Now, now, how hard is that? How hard is it to pray not only for folks that you know love you, folks that you come in contact with all the time, but how about the folks that hate you? Is that hard to do? That's extremely hard to do. But, uh, but it's him. He, he can handle that. Matthew 5.44 says it this way. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who what? Who persecute you. And the other version says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now what's challenging about this? Here's what's challenging. It says that we must go where they are. Most of the time, they're not going to grace us here with their presence. So we have to go where they are. There are many who don't like us just because we call ourselves Christian. We may have a mark on us that says, well, you're a Christian, so I just don't want to have anything to do with you. There are many who don't want us even near them. They don't want us interrupting their world, do they? We must find a way to share the gospel with them. That's, that's the important thing. And, and sometimes we have to tell them the things that they just don't want to hear. we got to find a way to, to love those who hate and, and would even kill us in return for that love. We have to find a way to love those folks. we got to strive to live like Jesus among all of our friends and even, yes, even our enemies. Let's take another look at 11 and 12 again and see what this says here. It says, uh, it says, but beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So what's verse 11 saying to us here? It's telling us that, that God's love for us inspires us to love others. Let me hear you say inspire. Is there things that inspire you? There are things that inspire me. I find, I find inspiration in all kinds of different things. We'll talk about some of that. But as your pastor, I do my best every time I'm in the pulpit to say something that's going to be inspirational to you. That's, that's a goal of mine is to say something that's going to encourage you, something that's going to lift you up, and you leave here more inspired than when you came. That's, that's one of my goals. Um, I also do, you know, when I get an opportunity to speak to you one-on-one, I do that. I, I, I want to be an inspiration to others through Jesus everywhere that I am. Not only here at church, but wherever it is that God blesses me to have the ability to go. Now, you may not realize this, but all of you are an inspiration to me. You really are. There are many times when you'll come to me and you'll give me an encouraging word. You'll, you'll give me an attaboy, a pat on the back, or just a little hug, you know, something like that. That is very, very encouraging to me. Your encouraging words, your handshakes, your hugs, all of these things inspire me. I look for inspiration all the time. Uh, that's, that's just the kind of person I am. I, I have to look for that. I find it. And I find it in a lot of different ways. It could be through a book. That I'm reading, it could be through an inspirational program that may be on television. I had one of those last night, actually, that I watched. Of course, the number one inspiration is right here. That's the, that's the number one. This is the go-to inspiration giver right here. So let me encourage you to do that. But we can find inspiration just about anywhere if we will just look for it. Now, most of you remember, um, I don't know if we got a lot of NFL, National Football League fans here, but this, was, this made big news, so you've seen it. But there were some NFL football players years ago, just a few years ago really, that, that decided to, to protest the national anthem by doing what? They kneeled. They just kneeled. The most ridiculous thing I think I've ever seen in my life, one of them. But this is what they decided to do. This created a terrible time for our country. 
And we're still feeling the effects of this. Now, now no, I, I wasn't inspired by them taking a knee. Let's clear that up. That's not what I was uh, inspired by, but I was disgusted by it, and I still am, because we're still feeling the effects, the effects by it. Now, now what I was inspired by, by it, and some of y'all are going to get a kick out of this, and, and, uh, and that's okay, but uh, they asked the head coach of the Clemson Tigers what he thought about this. Yeah, I'm a Clemson fan. I think everybody knows that by now, and, uh, and that's okay. But Dabo Sweeney, they, they asked him what they thought. Now, Dabo is, um, he appears to be a man of faith every time. He, but here's how he answered the question. They said, you know, what do you think about these NFL players that are taking a knee during the national anthem? Here's how he answered it. He immediately said this. The Bible says, that's how he started it. it sounded like Billy Graham. The Bible says that we are to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on and he says, it doesn't say love your neighbor if they're from the same religion. It doesn't say love your neighbor if they're the same color as you. It doesn't say to love your neighbor if they pull for the same team as you. It doesn't say to love your neighbor if they're the same gender as you. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we all live by that in this country, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have near the problems we have. That's a Dabo Sweeney quote. So now, that to me, that's inspiring. In the midst of all of that trouble that we were having with these guys that were just trying to create division, this man put it in perspective for us, and he had a big stage where people could hear him say it. So that, to me, is inspiring. Not because he's the coach of my favorite team, but it's inspiring because he gets it. He gets it. He understands it. He understands what it is. He's got a big stage to share it on, and when he gets the opportunity, he usually does. What he was saying that day was that, listen, hate never changes anything for good. Never does. Love always changes things for the good. It always has. It always will. And as I was preparing for this, and I know y'all have seen this, and I, I'm not a real political guy. I try to vote for the, the person that I feel like God wants me to vote for. But I, I got to tell you, I was just sickened the other night after the State of the Union address when that, when that uh, thing got tore up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That was just a, a travesty, in my opinion, to see somebody tearing up a speech of our president. This was nothing but a display of what? Of hate. What, what was that? Disrespect. Hate. All of that. It's all tied in together. That's exactly right. This was a, listen, this was a premeditated attack. The news media showed it. She even kind of started the tear just a little bit before the thing was over with so that she could get a good grip in it and not embarrass herself by not being able to tear it. So it was premeditated. Not only, not only the president, but how about all of these folks that were mentioned in that speech? Folks that were getting the accolades and, and all of these folks that, that have been, you know, giving their lives for our country and all of those stuff. I mean, you've seen it. But anybody that disagreed with the views was disrespected or hated by that. The hate, listen, the hate that's being spewed by some of the movements in our country today will never change hearts. Only love can do that. Only love can do that. Inspired to love others. That's what we should be. Verse 11 tells us that, that we're called to show the love of God to others. So how did God do that? He sent his son Jesus to model his love for us. So why did he do that? 
to not only show us something, but also how to take what we were shown and then show it to others. Listen, when we were in darkness, God sent His light. When we were dead, God sent His life. When we were in sin, God sent His Son. When we were in despair, God sent His love. I like Dr. David Jeremiah. I think I've told you that before, but he, he had a comment on this. and He said that it reminds us that as believers, we can't do this on our own strength. We can only love through the power that comes from God. Loving someone is who is unlovable is impossible to do on our own, isn't it? We must trust the Lord and find a way to love them. If God can love us, then He can love through us. Listen, when we become a Christian, we are saying this, we were saying that we have become a follower of Jesus Christ. Once we realize that fact, we must start to reevaluate how we treat others and, and how and, and, and why we love others. This is maybe one of the most difficult things we're called to do in the Christian life on a consistent basis. The reason is, it's, sometimes, it's just sometimes difficult is the fact that we allow our feelings and our circumstances dictate to us how we treat others. Some days we can't help but, but just live the eye for an eye mentality. That's the first thing as humans that comes to mind. Well, I'm just going to get so-and-so back because they did this to me. That philosophy is nothing like being what Christ said to be. We should be Christ-like, not living for the eye to eye for an eye. When John tells us here that we, must, we also must love one another, he's saying something like this. He's saying, enjoy who you are in Christ by loving one another. Loving others is, is what we do because God has showered us with His love and He now fills us as we abide in Him. Not only does God's love inspire us to love others or our love for others bring His love to perfection, but verse 12 says this. It says that no one has ever seen God. So why, you know, we know that, but why is this important? Nobody has ever seen God. Our God is an invisible God. No one can see God in His essence, but we can see God through the lives of those who demonstrate His love to others. So that tells me this, and listen church, love for one another is critical to the church's survival and witness. The world sees God through the lives of His children. So as believers, when we demonstrate what God's real love is through our actions and attitudes, this invisible God becomes visible to the world through us. You see, love is at the very heart of the Christian witness. Nobody can see God loving because He's invisible. Jesus is no longer in the world physically to show or, or manifest God's love. Listen, the, the only demonstration of God's love in this day and age is the church. That's the only demonstration of His powerful love that we have comes right here from the church, not the building, the people, us. We don't have the luxury to mess this up. We got to get this right. We got to make sure that we are showing love. They're depending on us. God is depending on us to do what it is that we're supposed to do. And I really think our time is short. I do. We must start consistently showing the love of God to a lost and dying world. Verse 12 also tells us that God's love has been perfected in us. Perfected means that His love has been brought to completion. It's been accomplished or it's, it's been finished. His love has been brought to, com, to a complete maturity. It's reached its intended goal. 
So John gives us two points concerning God's perfected love. First, we can love each other as God loves us because why? He lives in us. And then secondly, his love will reach its intended goal, which is that we will love others as he has loved us. And this is just a beautiful circle to me of theological truth that just cannot be broken. God is the source of love. God is the maintainer of love. And God has his perfected love. Listen, it's all God from the very beginning to the very end. And our text today tells us that that God set this standard for love. Since we are God's children, we should love one another. We should love on each other. The love that he has for us is made visible and complete as we love one another. The only way that the world can see God's love is through us. And folks, we must deliver. We have to. Now this morning we're observing communion. And this is a beautiful time for us to do this. And you know, when I think about God's love for us, I can't help but think about this. You know, what a sacrifice he made sending his son into the world. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, but what a sacrifice that is. He came to die and he's died for my sins. He's paying the price that I should have paid. And if you don't know what communion is or why we do it, the church is remembering the death of Jesus Christ by by using this little wafer and and this this little glass of juice to remember the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified. By taking these elements, we're renewing our commitment to Christ, and communion is a command to us from Jesus. This is not an ordinance that the church invented. This is not something that we came up with. This is something that Jesus Christ himself instituted. He told us to have communion, and it says even on our table, for as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's something that every Christian should participate in. This shows shows our obedience to Jesus and renews our fellowship with him. Communion plays a a crucial role in, in putting the church together. Celebrating communion together is an essential step in making a church a church. Shows unity. Community brings us all, excuse me, communion brings all of us together and makes us one body in Christ. It's for believers in Jesus Christ. Now again, maybe there's somebody here today that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. If this is the case this morning, then this communion will just have to pass you by. You're not supposed to take communion if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what the Scripture says. But before we receive communion this morning, we're going to give you a chance to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and make it right with Him. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a a song of invitation that will give you that opportunity to come and do that. And this will be your time to come. I'll, I'll let you know. But also for those of us who know Jesus, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians something that we should do. We should examine ourselves before partaking in communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 says this, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink of the cup. He encourages us to identify sin, bitterness, anger, hatred, or any other feeling or attitude and bring it before God. You see, repentance is necessary before you participate in communion. So let me challenge you this morning. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken that step and, and uh, you just you have the, the head knowledge, but you don't have the heart knowledge. Maybe you know who Jesus is. Maybe you've heard the name. Maybe you have a good idea of what all he's done for you, but you haven't taken that step to ask him to come into your heart. Let me encourage you to do that today. I want you to do that. Jesus wants you to do that. Come and be a part of the family of God. And that's easy to do. You just come talk with me. I'll, I'll lead you through that. Maybe there's something that's been on your heart as a Christian today. Maybe it's been going on in your heart and your life for quite some time. And you need to get this right before God. Maybe there's something that's in your life that's just not quite right. Maybe there's a, a lingering sin that you don't feel like you've been forgiven for. All of these things can be cleansed this morning. Just come and pray. You can pray right where you are. Just ask God to cleanse you, cleanse your life, and make you right before him so that you can take this communion in the way that he intended it to be. Let me encourage you to do that today. Communion is a, a very reverent time for our church. and We want to make sure we do this right. So the right way to do it is get examine yourself, get right. If you don't know Jesus, get right with God. That's what it's all about. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. We know, Lord, that uh, we're going to receive these elements. We need to uh, pray, Lord, that uh, you will impress upon them their need to get their life right. Father, their need to, uh, to come and, um, and just make things right with you. And, Lord, again, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I just pray, Father, that they will come and accept you as their Savior today. In Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to sing. Don't wait. Y'all stand with me if you would. And uh, come down this morning to do business with God. The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide, and its grace so free is sufficient for me, and deep is its fountain. As wide as the sea, there's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to ask uh, Bill and Keith if they will come. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on that night when he was betrayed. And we'll finish this in just a minute, but I want to make sure you get these elements this morning. Bill, would you lead us in this prayer? Father God, these crackers remind us of 
your broken body. Father, help us to remember your sacrifice today. Help us to examine our hearts, Lord. Help us to confess any unconfessed sin to you, Father. Father, we lift you up and praise you for willingness to take upon yourself sins and the punishment for those sins that we all deserve. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11:24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat.
Verse 25 in this passage says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, and my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Yes, He is. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Father, again today, we're just so grateful for your love, your mercy, your blessings. And uh, we know that you're in our presence today. And we just pray, Father, that you'll bless our church in a mighty way. We just thank you so much for this reminder that we've had today through our communion. Father, about your uh, crucifixion, about your resurrection. And all that you do for us, Lord. We're just so grateful. We just pray, Lord, that you'll bless us through this week. Help us be mindful, Lord, of your love for us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.